everybody. Welcome to Toddler Purgatory. I'm Molly. Hey, hey, I'm Blair. And <clears throat> Molly, we should let the listeners know that Molly's got a boo-boo. <laughs> <laughs> I have a boo-boo? I do. Molly's got a boo-boo called a cold. I do. I got a little, caught a little special cold called COVID. Not sure if anybody's <laughs> ever heard of it. What? What's that? I know. It hit me pretty hard in the beginning, and now I'm doing much better, but it's still, man. It's, it's robbing your energy. Yeah, it's like that unfun friend, <laughs> but like you've grown up with them, and you feel like you have to invite them along on things. We all got one. <laughs> we all got one. It's like, all right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, no. Come. Yes. So that's me. I- oh, you want to come early? Sure, 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 sure. You want to get here? Oh, you're going to stay late? Fine. Super. Yeah, so I have my unfun friend COVID along for the ride today. So we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> but you look good. Oh, dang. Thank you. I'm excited actually to talk about what we're talking about today, which is how to talk to our kids about real hard things. Blair. Whew. Yes, we both have five-year-olds. Blair also has a three-year-old. So I'm sure the questions you get (laughs) from both of them run the gamut. They run the gamut. And I also find like sometimes the small things turn into hard things. Really? Like, what do you mean? Like, just, you know, like, why do I have to wipe my butt? (laughs) Well, you know. Yes. Well, this is why, and this is what could happen, and then that turns into, like... And then germs, and then sicknesses, and... And then you get sick. What happens? Why do you get sick from not wiping? Mm -hmm. It's a vortex. (laughs) It is. It can spiral so quickly. So quickly. So, when it comes to having difficult conversations about hard topics with these children of mine, it's like, gulp. Yeah. I think that sometimes for me with my five-year-old, sometimes it starts that way with an innocuous question and then all of a sudden it blossoms into this much bigger thing that I wasn't prepared for. And I'm like, you know, I'm like vacuuming and I'm making dinner and all of a sudden we're talking about what happens after you die. And sometimes (laughs) it happens that way. And also sometimes it's like it comes from the back seat, this random question or, you know, we're shutting it down for the night and I say, okay, one last question, buddy. And he says... Are you going to die? You know, or whatever it is. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. 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 yeah, Where do babies come from again? Mm hmm. I'm like, again? Where'd you hear that? Again? Didn't we cover this? It's also (laughs) funny, too, because I constantly, this is like, I think this is just part of like the parent journey Mm -hmm. is I have gotten so used to being an adult for so long and to have like common sense things come to me for so long, sometimes not so much. That when I deal with my children and it comes to like really simple common sense things that they don't know, it's like my brain just like misfires. You know, it's like, how do you not know this? You've been here for three years. And I'm like, oh, you've been here for three years. Oh, right. I got like, yep, 30 plus on you. Okay, got it. Shoot. Okay. All right, let's start from the beginning, right? Grab the toilet paper. (laughs) You know? Yes. Uh, But in doing some research today, here's the thing. I got overwhelmed, (laughs) as I tend to do, over the things that they were talking about. But I got a lot of reassurance. Great. Over how to do these things and or how to talk to our kids about difficult subjects and hard things. So no fear, no worries. We got you. We got this. Let's hope. So here's the thing. Molly, what do you think are like the top five things that 
are tough to talk about. Okay. And this is just like a plain old Google search. What do you think of the top five? Okay, things? top five things hard to talk about. Okay, I got this. Number one, as I've already brought up three times, death. Death, definitely. Mm-hmm. Where do babies come from? Yep. And sex. Yes. It's essentially the sex talk, but also like where do babies come Like what is going on? Yeah. Okay, death, sex, like relationships. Like why are you and daddy not talking? Divorce. <laughs> Divorce. Divorce. <laughs> wow. Okay. That escalated quickly. I mean, it's like, you know, it's, it's all a part of it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. I would say that. And then, oh, the other two. Hmm. I don't know. Maybe like friendships. Like why is this person not talking to me anymore? Something like that. Like losing friendships, losing relationships. Mm, no, but that should be Death, that sex, divorce, money. No, <laughs> money. No. Oh, wait, this is just things that are hard to talk to my spouse yeah. about. <laughs> and also I was like, kids don't get money. No, that's true. That's true. They think everything is free. Shoot. Well, I only came up with three. What are the other two? That's OK. Actually, illness is one of them. That's kind of like, I think, kind of goes along with death, like the death talk. Yeah. And then natural disasters and tragedies. Ooh. Ooh, got it. Yeah. And something fascinating to me was in my research, one of the first things that came up was, it was a national survey called Talking with Kids About Tough Issues, done in September through October of 1998. Let's give it up. I was three. (laughs) She was not three. That may have been the year that I graduated from high school. (laughs) And the top things that... Kids that was tough to talk about were sex, AIDS, ah, violence, and drugs and alcohol. And can you believe that drugs and alcohol are no longer the top? I mean, they're up there, of course. Mm-hmm. But national tragedies has taken over. Isn't that devastating? Yes. Devastating, yes. It didn't surprise me, but it was like just kind of fascinating. And then it was also like, oh my gosh, yes, AIDS was such a huge thing. Yeah. You remember like Ryan White? Of course. I just remember like, and he was like, he was in our age group. He was a kid, yeah. Yeah. And I remember like watching him on TV and I remember asking my parents questions and all the things that were going on with AIDS at the time. And it's just like... And with the lens we have now, looking back on that time, how politicized that all was, which so much today is politicized. Right? So how complicated... What our kids are picking up based on like what news channel we watch or listen to or the kinds of podcasts we listen to. Right. What they're learning, what kind of questions they have. And they have so much more access to things than we do. Yep. At their fingertips. So much more access. Yeah, it was really fascinating to me. But it also was kind of hopeful, too, because then I was thinking, you know, like HIV and AIDS, we have medications now, you know, where people are not dying as much as they were, you know, people are becoming undetectable. So there was like this little like spark and glimmer of hope where I was like, OK, maybe what 1998 was what, a couple of years ago, <laughs> 20, almost 25 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! deep breaths you know maybe 20 25 years from now unfortunately something else may take top of the list you know like right living in the metaverse what my kids are doing in the metaverse but hopefully we can do something about these national tragedies you know what i mean right so anyway right what will be in the rearview mirror and etc exactly exactly just like it was for our parents it's generational this is what happens right yeah that is true so with you know not only the hope of generationally We got to get through this time. Also, with their ages, like these things are going to come up. 
our kids are age zero, probably not asking a lot of questions around age zero, but maybe you have some kind of child who speaks super <laughs> early. I don't know. I'm not going to judge. Through age five. And of course, as soon as a kid starts to speak, they start doing what? Asking questions. Questions. The questions. Questions. And so we don't want to panic about it. We don't want to be like, oh, oh no. <laughs> no. So, yeah, in your research, do you have any tips from old Molly Lloyd and our listeners here about what can we do so that we are kind of ready for these? Of course, I found just first of all, you can find amazing guidance just by looking up how to have, you know, talks with your kids about hard subjects. You know, this is Blair, if you tell everybody about Google, they're not going to listen to our podcast anymore. <laughs> True. You're so right. Listen, we have a special Google that we go. on. Yes. Yes. Oh, it's very special. <laughs> it's, a, it's a special. It's a it's a bougie Google. <laughs> it's it's Todd Google. <laughs> but it just goes to show yet again. That this is something that is very common, near and dear and common to parents. We all want to figure this out and serve our kids and serve our kids and do it the right way. Right. That is what it usually is. We just want. Am I doing this the right way? How do I do this the right way? And we're going to make mistakes. And as we always say on Todd Berg's mistakes live here, too. So don't expect to be perfect. Absolutely. And that's actually part of this list. So uh, the APA. American Pediatric Association. They suggest, first and foremost, you guide the conversation, right? So if your kid brings it up, you can always table it. Oh, that's interesting. You don't have to answer it. And that's my problem. As soon as they bring it up, I'm like, well, here we go. Okay. And then I also do that thing where I feel like I have to have all of the answers. Of course you do. Of course you feel that way. Yes. Right. And it has. I have to give you an answer. It's also because it will more than likely stop the questions from happening, but you can guide the conversation. So if you need to table it, table it, think about what you're going to say, practice it, look it up, look up the topic and, you know, how to talk to your kid about it and practice. Like, how do we table it? Like, you can't just shut a kid down. So like, yeah, you can say, (laughs) mommy's not here right now. Yeah. Can you just say, huh, I'm not sure how to answer that. I'm going to get back to you later. Something like that. Like you're at the office. Absolutely. Yep. You know what, Bob? I'm not quite sure of that. I'm going to um, circle back to you on this tomorrow. We're going to have to circle back. We're going to have to circle back to you on this. I'm going to think outside the box and circle back later. All right. Got it. Great. That's good. That's good to know because you feel like you do have to have the right answer at that second. It's the pressure, of course. And then in that, once you do like think about it and you're able to like come back to it, or even if you don't, if you just need a second, you find a quiet moment. And that means like dinner time or whenever you have a moment with your kid to like bring it back up or to continue to talk about it. And it's most important. It's when you have your kids undivided attention. So don't do it when they have the TV on or when they're on like their iPads or when they're doing, you know, like an individual activity or something, you know, like. Yeah. So find like a quiet time, which is so funny because it sometimes these things come up, like we said, either out of the blue or they've led there through some line of conversation. And I buckle in. I'm ready. I got this going. And as soon as I open my mouth, my son will be like, is cheese made out of farts? (laughs) And I'm like, or some complete non sequitur, which is just as important to him as where do babies come from again? 100%. And so that's the other thing, too, is like kind of just an addendum to what Blair is saying is like also kind of stay light on your feet because sometimes it's not going to happen. You You buckle in and you're like, okay, it's time for a no. It's not happening now. All right. No, Mm. we're talking about cheese farts. Awesome. Okay. (laughs) When we come back, we'll hear more tips from Blair. (laughs) 
When you bring your child home for the first time, you want a baby monitor you can trust. When you choose Stork, you choose technology trusted to monitor 10 million babies in hospitals every year. Stork continuously tracks your baby's pulse rate, oxygen saturation, and temperature. Visit MassimoStork.com to learn more. Stork, a revolutionary baby monitor, is born. Stork is not a medical device. Read and understand all product labeling. Massimo data on file. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, everybody, we're back on Toddler Purgatory. So what we're talking about so far with talking with our kids about hard things is don't feel like you have... I I love that. Actually, this is really (laughs) a great takeaway for me already, is that you don't have to feel pressure to answer that question, whatever that tough thing is. If it comes from them, you don't have to talk about it in the moment. You can say to them, you know what? I'm going to think about that, and we can talk about that later if you need to, because we do feel that undue pressure to answer whatever that question, whatever that hard thing is in that moment. It might not be the right time for us as parents. And the other thing is when you do get back to them with it, to choose a time when they're not preoccupied by watching Puppy Dog Pals, by building a Lego fort, you know, whatever, Mm -hmm. because they're just not going to have the attention for it. Or they'll lead you. Maybe dinner. What about dinner? Yeah. This is like making dinner or sitting down for dinner. Dinner table is always a good time to talk about stuff because everybody's got each other's attention. Yeah. And and hopefully it's a no phone zone. Yes, absolutely. They also say it's like one of those things I always skip over. Find out what they know about it. So as soon as they ask you, you pose a question right back to them. What do you think? Huh? Where do babies come from? You tell me. Or you just say, I have no clue. You tell me. (laughs) I have no idea. And they're like, Mama, you had a baby. (laughs) How'd I get here? I have no clue, kid. (laughs) (laughs) I told you about that. I told you about how my son the other day said, uh, because we're trying to make sure he knows. We have that book we've talked about on the pod before. It's not the stork. I got it. Love it. Yeah. And it has that great sort of very sweet drawing of anatomically, like what's going on with, you know, traditionally female genitalia versus male, whatever. And I say, okay, do you remember? Oh, that's right. That's vagina. And what comes out of the vagina? And he said, babies and maxi pads. (laughs) And I was like, oh, gosh. Oh, God. So close. So close. Almost, almost, almost. Almost. Okay, well, okay, we'll go over what maxi pads are later. (laughs) And also, I love that he used the full term, like, from the 70s, like, maxi pad. Like, mom, I've got my period. What should I use? Have you thought about maxi pads? <laughs> it's like, but I don't want to stain my dungarees. Like, it's this weird sort of archaic term that I love that my five-year-old just, like, whipped out. Love it. Because kids these days don't know nothing about It's all, like, the cups. Diva cup. Diva cups. Yep. And the tampons. Yeah, and 
as my son calls it, pyramid underwear. Oh, pyramid. Of course, the pyramid underwear. (laughs) So he knows something. So that's a perfect example, though, is if your kid is like, oh, what are periods? Or, you know, you say, oh, mom, my period. It's like, what's a period? Mm-hmm. And he already knows maxi pads or whatever. It's like, oh, well, what do you know? That's like perfect. A, it helps you stall. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. It gives you a minute to thank. It gives you a, a second to thank. And that can also come at the beginning, too. You know, when yeah. we say to think about what you want to say, you can table it. Mm-hmm. You know, like, well, what do you know about it so far? OK, I see that. All right. Well, let me think about what I know or what I think about that. And we'll get back to, you know what I mean? So it's just like stall tactic. And then plus you can also just see where your kid's coming from and how much information they know, you know, because they may know way more about it than you think. Yes. Or have their head wrapped around it better than you think that they do. Also, they may have been hearing crazy stuff on that playground. Crazy. Oh, the playground. Yes. The stuff that my kids come home with, I'm like, what? Yeah, you know, because they do, they hear the craziest things like, The other day, my son came back from the playground and he said, this kid that he used to go be in school with, he's no longer in school with him because my son's going to kindergarten. But he said, well, such and such said men can't marry men and such and such said women can't marry women. And I was like, get such and such on the line. (laughs) And I was like, "Uh, well, you know, that's not true. I said, and uh, how old is such and such? And he said, four and I said do you think you Mm -hmm. should be taking things from a four-year-old is true he goes no he knew he knew (laughs) he knows what's up such and such don't though but they hear so much on the playground and they do we can't filter all of it and it's a great thing about life is that they are going to learn some true things and some untrue things and it's up to us to help them filter Mm -hmm. what's real and what's not Mm -hmm. and process Mm -hmm. it and process it and that's the other point that they say is tell the truth. Yeah. Don't skirt around it. If they come home with some cray cray stuff about men not being able to marry men, which they can, <laughs> such and such, come find yeah. me on the playground. We got some talking to do. <laughs> you can tell the truth. Yeah. Tell them what's real. Don't skirt around it because you'll have to come back to it later. Yeah. Or that's the stuff that your kid's going to be spreading on the playground. The untruth. Oh, no. And then your kid is such and such. Oh. And then your kid is such and such. You don't want your kid to be such and such, okay? Don't make your kid a such and such. Don't do it. <laughs> Just tell them the daggone truth. Tell them the truth. So when you have a moment, whether it's the right time when they ask it or whether you found a quiet time to do it, just be straight with them. Be straight. It's, un- listen, it's going to be uncomfortable. Some of the stuff that comes up, it's uncomfortable to talk to with adults. It's uncomfortable to talk to with each other. Oh, yes. It is going to be uncomfortable. So don't think that you're doing yourself a favor by diminishing it to make yourself comfortable or not telling all of the truth because you feel like it's going to make them uncomfortable. Everybody's got to get uncomfortable. Everybody got to get uncomfortable. It's so funny that you say that because I think I did that. I think I made that mistake recently. I do it all the time. (laughs) Recently, because my son did want to know where babies come from. And he has heard of the sperm and the egg. And it's like he knows you need both of those to create. That's one way. See, that's the thing, too, is like we are also trying to be very inclusive. We want him to know that. Families are made in all kinds of ways. Mm -hmm. And to be frank, babies are too. Sometimes it's through the act of sex. Sometimes it's, you know, in a 
fertility lab. Mm-hmm. So, and all those are valid, amazing, beautiful miracles called life. And they're all are awesome. And it's an interesting thing where like, I think I didn't have the, whatever it was, patience, depth, time, yes. words, whatever it was, I didn't have it in that moment. And I think I did skirt over it. I skirt around it rather. Mm-hmm. And I kind of gave the Cliff's Notes version Mm. And then we left to do whatever we were doing. Like, And now that you just said that, I think I did him a bit of a disservice. So I'll, I think I'll be a little more either thorough next time or maybe it truly is time he's five for me to table it, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. figure out a clear, succinct way that I can say stuff to him. And then at dinner or over popsicles outside or whatever, I can bring it back into focus. Absolutely. And that's the thing, too, is that you can table it and you can always come back to it. Yeah. You can always. Or you can bring it back up. You can say, you know, you remember that time we were talking about such and such? You know what? I wanted to add or I wanted to come back to it to explain something a little bit further to you. Yeah, I think I didn't explain it well. Yeah. Yeah. Or you know you have those moments where you're like in the car and you're like, oh, gosh, yeah, that's how I could have done that. Oh, yeah. Ten minutes later? Ten minutes later, I always think of the best things. Ten minutes later? Absolutely. It's okay. Go back to it. I don't know why we feel this thing as humans, or at least me. (laughs) Let me speak for myself. I get this thing where it's like, well, that moment's over. Can't ever redo that again. Can't talk about that ever again. Right. But it's not true. Because you still live with this tiny person. And that's the thing. When it comes to our kids who are Mm -hmm. with us all of the time, you can always come back to things. You can always reevaluate, re-explain. Unlike that person in the grocery line who was super rude to you and you didn't say anything because you couldn't believe you were so taken aback. So then you get in the car, you have your groceries, you drive away, you're halfway down Route 11 and you say to yourself, I know what I should have said. And I never turn my car back around and say, hi, listen, remember that thing you said earlier? Hi, remember me? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I've thought of how I wanted to say it. Ain't that the truth? How dare you? Dare you? (laughs) Whatever. Come outside! Whatever minor transgression it was. Say it to my face again. Please do, because now I have the right thing that I want to say to you. With our kids, we do have that opportunity. Yes. For sure. And then, like, the most basic of it is just reassure them that you love them. And you do everything you can to make sure that they're safe and that they can come talk to you about any of these things at any time. And isn't that, I don't know how to say it, like, that's the upshot is... These are scary topics for us, and they might be a little scary for them because of what they don't know, like you said earlier, Blair. Like, they don't know so much. Why do I have to wipe my butt? (laughs) Yeah, exactly like that. So, and it is those things that we just kind of, you know, we've had 20-odd, 30-odd, 40-odd years to get used Mm -hmm. to, and it's just part of what we know. Yeah. And it's so new. And I have that knee-jerk reaction sometimes, Blair, the same as you, where I'm like, I almost think not that it's a joke that he's like joking with me, but part of me is like, we just talked about this, right? You know, this exactly. Yeah. And one thing after the break, I'll be talking a little bit more about talking specifically about death with our kids, because that's actually something that's just been coming up more for us. And I think because of, like you said, the prominence of national tragedies and international tragedies, like my son knows there's a war going on in Ukraine. Mine too. He knows who Putin is. Like, how scary is that to know that there are people like that out there? And how do I handle this knowledge and go about my day and climb a tree? (laughs) Right. You know what I mean? Like, they don't know how to do that. So we have to help them through that. And that's really been coming up a lot for us. And I think that's what you said was to make sure that they know 
that you are a safe space and that they're safe in this life. Mm -hmm. You know, it's funny that you mentioned that because there's this one article that I read on NPR, when the news is scary and what to say to kids. And it had the best gem of advice. And they said that resist the temptation to label anyone bad guys or evil such as Senor Putin, right? Yeah. Because it's not helpful, it says, because it may increase their fear and confusion. Right, totally. Instead, talk about people being in pain, being angry, and making bad choices. We talk about choices. That's exactly it. That's exactly what we do. Oh, okay. And then Phew, the- I got worried for a second there. I was like, oh, no. Uh-oh. What oh, I do now? What I do now? What it. I do now? I broke my kid again. I broke him again. Broken broken. I got to get a new one. But yeah, that's exactly what we do about people who make choices Mm -hmm. and they are in positions of power Mm -hmm. and those Mm -hmm. choices affect other people and get other people hurt. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And maybe they're hurting on the insides and they want to make people feel the way that they feel on the inside. Oh, I have not done that yet with Putin because I have strong feelings about him. I'm sorry, but he's a bad guy. But you're right. That is actually very helpful Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. I think Mm -hmm. not just Putin, who is sort of a billboard person who clearly has a lot of pain inside of him, but also the guy at the grocery store who wasn't very kind to mama. Right. Why wasn't he kind to you? Yes. Somebody along the way was not very kind to him, probably. You know, that kind of thing. Exactly. And that's building empathy. So I appreciate that reminder, too. There it is. And same for me. And I think that it's always that thing in the moment Mm -hmm. where you're like, you get caught up in your feelings. You get caught up in like saying the right thing. In your fears. Yep. In your fears. And it's like, well, they're bad guys. They're evil people. And then we forget that they're equating that stuff to the things that they see on TV. Yeah. And I think we're so afraid of them identifying with the bad guys. Sure. For sure. But maybe... It's best that they empathize Mm. with the bad guys, right? I guess. They understand, oh, their mom, their dad, their parent didn't give them as many hugs and kisses that I get. Right. And maybe, you know, that's what they're missing. And so they're seeking that or they want other people to feel like they feel. Then it's like, oh, okay. Right. Yeah. Or at least that's important. Reading that like touched for me because I was like, yeah, empathy. We'll be right back. If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. With sometimes hilarious and always thought-provoking experts and friends, at Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, 
tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Hi, it's Molly and Blair. We're back talking to our kids about hard things. Teaching empathy is so hard and so important, and I'm really glad we touched on that too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because we want them to feel safe and we don't want them to feel alone. We want them to understand. We just want them to understand where things grow from, where they, you know, start from, you know, because then they can, you know, change their behavior, see their behavior and just help people. You just want people to help. That's it. You just want kids to help people out, you know, not be responsible, but for people and their issues, but understand at least. And speaking of, along with, you know, guiding the conversation, it's also important to take care of yourself. Mm hmm. Ain't that the truth? Because I tell you this much, when the Uvalde shootings happened, the very next day, they had a drill at my son's school. Oh, my gosh. And they didn't tell us. And he got in the car and he just immediately started talking about bad guys with guns. And I was like, fully unprepared. And then he proceeds to hand me a pamphlet that he had colored. And it was all about what to do in an active shooting situation. And then he just starts telling me all these things. But the way he's saying it, it was very like, just matter of fact, it actually relieved me that he wasn't terrified, right? But at the same time, I actually accidentally tabled it because I had no clue what to say. And I was so angry. I was so angry that I was afraid of what might come out of my mouth. Were you angry that parents hadn't been given a heads up or about the timing? Or were you just carrying over your incredible grief and anger from the day before? All of it. All of it. And I think that I understood where it was coming from, you know, because I knew I think they knew because we even got like an email that evening Mm -hmm. talking about it. But they didn't say that they were going to do anything the next day at school. But yeah. So I just had a moment where I just like actively and accidentally took care of myself. I don't even think I even, honestly, I don't even remember coming back to it because I still feel like I'm unprepared to talk to him about it, you know? But in the whole like taking care of yourself, they say like, turn off the news. You know, if it becomes too overwhelming, if it becomes too much, turn off the news. And especially if you're in a household where, because it's not so much anymore. I don't know. Like when I go to my parents' house, they always have CNN on. (laughs) Like 24-7. Oh, so does my dad. (laughs) Oh, I know. One time we went to New York and my son and I were staying in one room and my dad was staying in another. And I had to like go in to get something out of the car. And so (laughs) that's how my son found out about the war in Ukraine. (laughs) It's because my dad had CNN on. And I came in and I was like, what are you guys watching? My dad was like, CNN. And as you guys have met my dad, he appeared on an episode, as did Blair's dad. He's a fantastic grandpa. He was an awesome dad. But it's like, yeah, the constant newsreel is such a part of all of our lives. Yep. And especially for like our parents' generation. Like that is what they do. Yeah. So I know when I go and visit my parents, I ask them to turn the TV off. We got to turn it off because my children will also sit there and watch it. The zombies, they'll watch anything. Oh, zombies. So, yeah. So, turn off the news. 
stop the doom scrolling. Guilty as charged. Ooh, give me a good doom scroll. Jeez almighty. Yep. Oh, I look up. I'm like, oh, it's 9 p.m. I don't have to go to bed for an hour. I look down at my phone. Doom scroll, doom scroll, doom scroll. Oh, it's 10 p.m. It's time for bed. I've done nothing. <laughs> I'm so sad. I'm so... We're grieving all the time anyway. Our bodies are grieving. Self-care right out the window. Same. You know what I do? And this is embarrassing, but I know someone is out there that does the same thing. For some reason in my Instagram feed... It's like less and less of people or things that I follow and like these like random things. And right? Yeah. I'm like, who is this? Ads. Ah! So many. Has that stopped me from buying stuff? No. No. But like I do that thing where like I see like a sick kid and I'm like, no, no, no. And it's like, we loved you this day. And it's like their newborn picture. And then like immediately like it's a headstone and we still love you and i'm like what i should do which is like oh gosh how awful just keep going blair just take care of yourself nope i have to go nope i look for the at i have to go there i have to find out what happened to the child it's like i Mm -hmm. am Mm -hmm. guilty and it does nothing for me but stress me out and give my vivid imagination more fuel that's it. That's all it does. Thank you. Thank you. And also grief is so we're all in survival have been in survival mode for two and a half years. So grief and sadness and everything is so close to the surface right now that it takes very little and not that that wouldn't be sad all the time, but like I understand and empathize with you that you then yeah. follow that story. Yeah. Because it's like a real slippery slope right now. So yeah, take care of yourself, give yourself breaks, especially from that kind of thing. So along these same lines about how to talk about super hard things, one thing that very much piqued my interest about today's conversation is talking to our kids about death, because it has come up a few times recently with my son, Mm -hmm. even just like, okay, good night, love you, love you too, love you more, impossible, mom, okay, one last thing, are you going to die? Whoa, that's not one last thing. (laughs) Okay, right, right, right. Take it. Okay, all right. Here we go. Here oh, we go. Here boy. we go. Buckle in, buckle in, buckle in. <laughs> so I did look that up in an article on parents.com about talking to kids about death. Ashley Chopin, who's a certified child life specialist providing support for the siblings of intensive care patients at Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. They say, get ahead of it. Introduce the concept of death before mm. it touches your kids directly. This is so good. Mm. That's good. So good, especially because for so many of our listeners, they have kids who are one years old, two years old, three years old. You're following those kids around and there are opportunities to not bring down the room or anything, but just to (laughs) get across to them that all things come to an end. Ashley points says, pointing out the cycles of nature. It might be a beautiful dead moth on the porch. It might be an apple that has passed its time. <laughs> or a plant, a house plant. If you're in my house, you have plenty of opportunities to show them about death. Mine too. Just gone. Gone. So dry. So dry. Not coming back. Not coming back. She even says, even a bubble that pops. How cute is that? You're blowing bubbles with your kid and you say, oh, You know, like, Mm -hmm. oh, I guess, you know, that bubble couldn't last forever because nothing lasts forever, you know, whatever it is. And you might say something like, for example, for a houseplant, that houseplant, it's gone. It can't come back. It can't take in water or sunlight anymore. Like, really tell them the things they can't do anymore. And tell the truth. It can't come back. Mm -hmm. Unless you go to my mother's house, she will bring it back from the dead because my mother is the houseplant 
whisperer. She's got a, such a green thumb, such her. a green Oof. thumb. The other thing is exactly what you were talking about before, Blair. Share sad news directly. Be direct. It's hard, man. <sighs> Avoid euphemisms. Saying things like they went to a better place isn't helping anybody. Or they, they went to sleep forever. Yes, that's exactly right. You don't want to say something like he went to sleep and didn't wake up. And Ashley says, unless you want your child to attempt to stay awake for the rest of their life. Because they're linking sleep and death. Yeah, absolutely. Which we did have to deal with when we had to put down our dog Cooper last year. Mm -hmm. And it is a very commonly used phrase that you're putting your dog to sleep. To sleep. Yeah. And we had to be very, it's hard to say those words to your son, much less, much less take them in yourself in that moment. Yes. But you have to do your kid this service. You have to do it. Same thing. Tell them if you're sharing sad news about someone they know who has died, you might do the same thing you said. Tell them in a familiar place. Maybe make sure they have a stuffy or another toy around to give them a sense of place, to give them a sense of normalcy as they're hearing news that is very not normal to them. It's normal. We know, of course, it's part of life. Death is part of life. But they're still learning that. Be direct. The example that she says is, Abuelo died. When people die, their body stops working and they can't eat or walk or play anymore. And you won't be able to see them anymore. Ugh. And my heart is breaking saying these words about... Yeah. Saying oh, it. Just saying it. I know. I know. They might ask you questions. They might not. Either one is normal. It's okay. Some kids process it in different ways. Totally. They may ask... This is... Very true. I have found with some things with my son. They may ask the same questions every day for a while. And that's where, Blair, I think I have to do the thing that you were talking about earlier, which is like, I cannot make the assumption that because I told them once, they get it. it. Mm-hmm. And then they're bringing it up again to annoy right. me, to wit, to this, to that. In this article, they say they're not seeking deeper meaning. Their brains are just trying to process the finality of death. The finality of it. That makes sense. That makes sense. And I have to tell you, like, I'm kicking myself right now when I look back over my parenting mistakes, which I know I'm not supposed to do, but of saying, you know, to my son, we just talked about this. You know that, blah, blah, blah. Like, why would I be so short with him? Because, you. oh, this just in. You're human. Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, oh, 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 this just in, too. Uh, this first time around doing this whole mom thing. Yeah, you know. Yeah, 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 it's all right. Trying to make it work. Trying to figure it out. It's all good. Oh, yeah, just trying to make it work. Okay. Yeah, and I find your patience, whatever mantra in your head. For me, often it has been, he's five. He's five. He's five. And that's hard, and they're just trying to process it. And then the thing about it is, as often as they ask those questions, they need you to answer the questions consistently. It is. As painful as it is. Because you might be talking about someone real important to you. Because it will help them start to grasp that finality. And maybe you too. Yes. Yeah, Blair, you're right. And that's the thing too, is that you're saying these painful things. And I don't know about you, Blair, but kind of we're both criers. Like, it's going to make me cry when I have to share news like that. It's going to make me cry. And they say, don't hide those tears. Don't. No. Show them the tears. Show them you processing. I'm crying because I really miss grandma. I could really use a hug right now. Mm -hmm. I'm crying because I really miss grandma. I'm going to take a minute, you know, to let out my feelings. I have big feelings right now. And I don't want to hold them inside. And don't worry about me. Don't worry about it. If you need to, too, let's do it together. Are you feeling sad? Yeah. Yeah. Let's do it together. Sure. Oh, buddies, buddies. Oh, gosh. gosh, And then finally, and this is something I hadn't thought of. Make Mm. sure your kid knows it's not their fault. 
Yes. Now this was, this hit me pretty hard. Preschoolers tend to think that the world revolves around them. So they may feel a misguided sense of blame. They say, reassure your child that it was nothing they did and that no one could have stopped the death from happening. Mm. Barbara Coloroso, who's the author of Parenting Through Crisis, Helping Kids in Times of Loss, Grief and Change, says they may have thought something bad about their grandma. And now that she's dead, they're afraid they made it happen. Explain that there was nothing anyone did that made her go away and we can't bring her back again. This is hard. It is very hard. It's even hard to talk about. It's obviously very hard to talk about. And it's going to be hard to talk about. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's always those things that, you know. Yeah. Be consistent. Be honest. Yeah. And especially like as you get older, you know, it's like the more you experience in life, the more you know and the more that it's going to come. We're all going to have to have these conversations. At some, when our kids are at some age. Yeah. Some ways to, you know, some things we talked about, you don't need to pretend to be okay. Be honest with them about that too. Stick to routines. You might see them acting out Mm -hmm. in the days following this big news as they're processing this. They might be silly or hyper and this will help by sticking to their routine pretty closely. That will give them a sense of, this is a bar I could hold on to that's always been there, right? Is their routine. When it comes to the funeral, follow your kid's lead. Talk to them, see how they're feeling about it. Mm-hmm. Also, um, this was a good, I love this part of the article too. They said, hey, listen, things aren't like they used to be. With so many things being online now, there are different ways that people are being memorialized. Yes. So you have some flexibility. Follow your kid's lead. Maybe they want to yes. make a video. Kids are so video conscious now at every age. Maybe they want to make a video of them singing a song and you can share that to the memorial page. Mm-hmm. Maybe they want to be there for the memorial. Maybe they don't. So follow their lead on it. Maybe they don't want to go to the wake, mom. Yeah, and that's okay. I know that I have to be respectful and show my respects, but this is kind of weird for me. Yeah, follow their lead. See what they say. They say help them remember their loved one, that they shouldn't think that this isn't something they can talk about. Maybe leave a photo album out on the coffee table so they can come to you when they're ready to look at it or to talk about it. And, you know, because every kid is so different, right? And they process things in such different ways. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, And we got to be attuned to that and take the pressure off yourself because we got to be attuned to that and our own feelings. Yep. And then here's something that that was interesting to me because I'm not religious. We don't have a religious family. But this was important, I think. And this will be interesting for me to hear your take on, Blair, as well. Try to avoid saying things like, God needed Abuela with him. Mm, mm, mm. They say, this belief may give you comfort. But kids don't have the cognitive ability to understand it. 100%. If you tell your child that God loved someone and wanted to take them up to heaven, they may start misbehaving because they're afraid if they're too good, God will want to take them. Right. Right. Or or they want to go. They miss the person so much that they want to go. Oh, God. So instead, say something like, Abuela is with God now, or Abuela is in heaven, if that follows your religious beliefs. Whew, that one struck me, too, just because I can imagine saying something like that and it it can give your heart ease but because that's such an abstract concept to children especially our age group zero to five that that could really be confusing to them and like we said try not to say things like let's not cry about it just the opposite don't stifle your emotions or your child when you grieve in front of your kid you are modeling healthy behavior absolutely absolutely it makes it okay that's the whole point. It makes it okay. Oh, so when boy. they have big feelings, they can have big feelings and they're not holding it in and bottling it up. And then it gets shaken like a Coke can and gets let out 
when they're teenagers or when they're full grown adults. My son did ask me the other day, but why does it make an explosion when you shake up Mentos in a Pepsi bottle? I didn't have the answer to that either. Okay, listen, it's chemistry and I got a D in it. (laughs) Hey, D's get degrees. Listen, D's get degrees. (laughs) That I know, faux show. (laughs) So I hope that this helps you all talk with your kids about some tough things. My takeaways, Blair, you know, try and get ahead of it if you can. Know that these questions are going to be coming up. Introduce Mm -hmm. some abstract concepts like life coming to an end early on may give them the setup to be able to handle it a little bit better later when they when death does touch them. So that's a big takeaway for me is, is just kind of set yourself up. And I have to tell you, I am shook by the fact that I have the ability to table it if I'm not ready. I am. Do I it, mean, girl. I know. I know. It's always got to answer it now. If I'm not a good parent if I don't answer it now. Always have that option. <laughs> And put it in their hands. What do you think? Remember that, too. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah. Mm-hmm. TikTok, give me some time. T- yeah. TikTok. Listen, also remember, seek professional help if you need it, right? If you feel super stuck in your own thing, if it's too much for you, overwhelmed, if it's too overwhelming to talk about, or there are persistent signs of agitation or behavior worries within your kids, Get the help that you need from a medical professional. They are always there for you. For sure. Listen. Especially if you're grieving and you can't help your kid grieve. Absolutely. I mean, it's tough. Call in some reinforcements. Listen, I feel like I have a friend who's been through a really tough time and had some big stuff happen. And she has said to me that you have to learn to grieve. Mm. Grieving is a learned behavior and that you have to grieve. That's the one thing that you can't table. Right. It's something that you have to go through. So the more space and grace you give yourself to do it and model that to your kid, just the better off they'll be in life, period. Yeah, because, I mean, death and hard talks and, you know, I know we're not supposed to call them bad guys, but bad guys are things that we're going to have to talk through a lot in their childhood, and then some, and then some, and then some. Because life ain't always rosy. Especially well, right now, it ain't rosy, for sure. Yeah. Well, we hope that this helped you all, our listeners, whom we adore. For sure. And we'll catch you next time on Toddler Purgatory. Thanks for being here. Take it easy. Real truth alert, pregnancy, birth, and having a baby isn't all sunshine and rainbows. I wish it were, but the reality is that many people struggle and suffer through this time without the right help or even knowing what they're dealing with. I'm perinatal psychologist, Dr. Katayun Kayani, also known as Dr. Kat. My podcast, Mom and Mind, aims to shine a light on the difficult reality that so many hopeful and new parents experience and raise the volume on how we can better support mental health, which is a big part of our overall health. Episodes include personal stories from people who have healed through things like pregnancy and postpartum anxiety, depression, PTSD, and so much more. I also talk with specialists and experts who explain and educate on these conditions. All of this to support parents to know that they are not alone, that healing is possible, and there are resources that can help you today. Listen into Mom and Mind and walk with me through the world of perinatal mental health.
When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play, and we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips.